0: Amen. Would you turn in your Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke? We are working through the Gospel of Luke uh, in a series called Jesus, Period. Uh, and in that series, we've got little mini-series that we're doing, and we're in the second series of the Gospel of Luke called Jesus, a Friend of Sinners. And so today we're going to be in chapter 5, verse 27, through chapter 6, verse 11. We have four kind of stories that Luke has strung together for us they are going to show us the goodness, the grace, and the greatness of Jesus. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, here is Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, it will tear the new On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees were watching him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you... Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, all he said to them, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word today, God. We thank you for the gospel of Luke and these four short little scenes that show us just how beautiful and amazing and glorious and gracious Jesus truly is. And no doubt, God, many of us come here today with heavy hearts, with minds that are weighed down, with burdens that seem too strong, God. And so we pray God, that you would show us a picture of Jesus today. God, so that we might, Lord, know how he welcomes us and that we might have access to you through him so that we might know the freedom that he gives and we might have life in his name. God, would you bless us? Would you bless me now? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus, what are you doing? That was probably the most common question that Jesus got during his ministry. Jesus, what are you doing? You see, Jesus shows up declaring that he's taking over the kingdom of God, but he didn't really seem to fit the part. He didn't seem to fit the mold. He didn't seem to play by all the right rules. And so it makes sense that Jesus would get a lot of questions from the religious rule keepers, right? You see, the Pharisees, we saw them last week, they were a group of super-religious Jews who devoted their lives to, to following God's law. Like Lance said, they were the Jewish law police. They were the religious referees, and they didn't like Jesus. He showed up acting like he owned the place, and he refused to play by their rules, So they watch Jesus at almost every step with questions in their hearts. Why are you welcoming sinners? Why aren't you fasting, Jesus? Why don't you honor the Sabbath? Why are you working on the Sabbath? Jesus, what in the world are you doing? You know, I don't think the Pharisees are the only ones asking that question of Jesus. I think if we were all honest, we would all have lots of questions for Jesus. Maybe you're questioning the grace of Jesus today. Maybe you're questioning the nearness of Jesus. Maybe you question his power. Maybe you question his love. Jesus, can you really welcome sinners like us? Jesus, can you really give us access to the Father's heart? Jesus, can you really give us the freedom that we need? Jesus, can you really give us the life that you've promised? I'm sure if Jesus were standing here today, many of us would have some questions. But brothers and sisters, we've come to God's word today. And in these four short stories, Jesus is going to show us how he offers these answers to our questions. He's our acceptance. He's our access to God. He's our freedom and he's our life. So let's bring our questions to Jesus today. Let's see the gracious gift that he offers and let's see why he's worth leaving everything behind and following him. So the first thing I want us to see is that Jesus offers us acceptance. Jesus offers us acceptance. Our First short story is about a tax collector named Levi. Luke tells us in verse 27 that Levi was sitting at a tax booth and Jesus sees him and says, hey, come and follow me. And Levi leaves everything behind and he follows Jesus. And the very first thing that Levi does is throw a great feast in his home for Jesus. Now you might be thinking, wow, what's the big deal? Everybody eats, right? Why is it a big deal that Jesus is eating? It's not the food, it's the company. Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. And if you don't know, tax collectors were seen as lowlifes in the Jewish community. They were working for their enemy, Rome, and they would often charge a little bit extra for themselves when they were collecting taxes. They were seen as traitors and thieves. You see, we need to think about tax collectors less like accountants And really more like drug dealers. That's the kind of reputation they would have in their community. And that's the kind of people who are sitting around the table with Jesus. And the Pharisees don't like it. And so listen to their grumbling in verse 30. They say, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I mean, they just could not understand why Jesus would want to hang out with such unholy people. I mean, weren't these people the problem? Wasn't Israel under foreign oppression because they were unholy and not faithful to the covenant? Why is Jesus with these kind of people? Well, Jesus answers their question. Those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are sick. You don't go to the doctor when you feel good, you go when you feel bad. Jesus says, i am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You see, Jesus' mission was to come for sinners. He didn't come to gather the holy people together. Instead, he came to call sinners to repentance. And so here's the answer to our question. Can Jesus welcome sinners like us? Yes. Yes, he can. And he will. Notice, Notice who moved first in this story. Jesus saw Levi and Jesus moved to him jesus wasn't waiting for levi to get his act together he wasn't waiting for levi to quit that terrible job and get a new job he wasn't waiting for levi to start following all the right rules no jesus in his grace moves to him he welcomes levi and he accepts him you see the christian life always begins with jesus moving towards us in grace You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. You didn't seek Jesus. Jesus sought you. You accepted Jesus because he first accepted you. And so the Christian life begins with this gracious acceptance of Jesus. It begins with this loving welcome. And so that's good news for sinners like you and like me. If Jesus were just sitting around waiting for us to move first we would never do it. In our sin and our rebellion, we would never seek Him. But in His grace and in His love, He has welcomed sinners. And He welcomes us so that we might walk in repentance. Brothers and sisters, this is good news for us today. Jesus first accepted us not by grace and not by performance, and that means Jesus will continue to accept us by grace and not by performance. If we cling to Jesus, we will never wear out our welcome with Him. As Dane Ortland said, if He loved us in our mess then, He'll love us in our mess now. Now, of course, this doesn't mean we keep on sinning. Jesus Himself said, I've come to call them to repentance. But the good news is that Jesus shed his blood to welcome sinners like us. And no amount of guilt or shame that you feel can ever change that. Jesus accepts us by grace. And he will continue to accept us by grace. So church, let's cling to that grace. And let's live in the good news of Jesus' acceptance. And really, that's the good news that's too good for us to keep to ourselves. Because the reality is there are people all around us that might seem like they're too out of reach for the grace of God. Maybe those in the gay community or those with addictions or the party crowd in your dorm or the atheist in your family. Friends, Jesus expects us to welcome those who seem too far away. There's a lady, her name is Rosaria Butterfield, and she was a devout lesbian who came to faith in Jesus. And she came to faith because a pastor and his wife invited her into their home for dinner. They did it a lot, they had her a lot. She wasn't saved because someone had an amazing argument on Facebook, she wasn't saved because we were pushing some sort of political agenda. She wasn't saved because some sort of conversion therapy. She was saved because two Christians welcomed her into their home and they ate with her. They told her about the gracious acceptance of Jesus. They pointed her to the friend of sinners. Brothers, sisters, Jesus is calling us to welcome sinners just as he has welcomed us. It should be our joy to do that and to point them to Jesus, who really is a friend of sinners, who really does welcome us, who really does accept us. So let's cling to Jesus and let's live in his gracious acceptance. Secondly, number two, Jesus offers us access. Not only does he accept us, but he gives us access. So our second story today is about prayer and fasting. In verse thirty-three, the disciples these or the Pharisees say this. They say the disciples of John, that's John the Baptist, they, they fast a lot and they pray a lot. Our disciples, they they fast and they pray a lot too. We're watching you and your disciples. They love to party. They eat and drink all the time. You see, fasting was a common Jewish practice. They would often fast during their festivals. They would fast as a sign of repentance to the Lord. The Pharisees typically would even fast every Monday and every Thursday. That's how holy they were. But Jesus and his disciples don't seem to care about that. They don't seem to be very religious. They don't seem to be very devoted to the Lord. All they do is eat and drink and hang out all the time. Where's the fasting? Where's the, where's the prayer? Where's the seeking God? And so Jesus in verse 34 says this to them. He says, can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? You see, Jewish weddings would often last a week long and there would be lots and lots of eating and drinking. It would have been crazy. It would have been downright shameful if guests showed up to your wedding and you asked them to fast, right? We get that today, don't we? It's going to be a weird wedding. Just come to the reception. There's nothing to eat or drink. We're all going to pray and fast things are good but a wedding is a time for celebrating but there's more to jesus's point than that and this is what's so good and what he says jesus puts himself in the place of the bridegroom he says there's coming a day where the bridegroom will be gone that's talking about when he leaves and returns to heaven and that'll be a time for prayer and fasting but while while the bridegroom is here it's a time for celebrating why pray and fast think about this Why would they be praying and fasting when God himself is sitting there at the table with them? You see, something new is happening. Something that's never happened before. The Lord, the bridegroom of God's people, has come down and he's sitting there at the table with them. And that's changed everything. So Jesus tells us a few parables and they're about accepting the new over the old. Jesus first says, nobody tears, uh, you don't get a new pair of jeans to cut them up to fix a hole in an old pair of jeans. You just wear the new pair of jeans that you bought, right? He says, you don't put new wine in old wine skins because they'll burst and it'll ruin the wine. His point is, there's a new way to come to God. Prayer and fasting are good things, but there's a better way to access God. It's through Jesus. And so here's the question that we have to ask, can Jesus really give us access to the Father and the Father's heart? And the answer is yes, Jesus can. You see, this changes everything for prayer and fasting for us. Prayer and fasting are no longer a way to gain the favor of God. They're not about getting on God's good side or twisting God's arm to get him to do what we want. They're about a way to experience the favor of God that Jesus has purchased for us. They're about communing with God and connecting to God through Christ. Fasting is absolutely pointless if Jesus is not in it. And friends, prayer is absolutely pointless pointless if Jesus is not in it. But if Jesus is the center of our devotion, that's where we have full access to into the Father's heart. I mean, don't we want that, right? Don't we want access to the Father's heart? I mean, think about how amazing that is. We don't have to twist God's arm to have access to His heart. Sometimes I feel like my boys are twisting my arm. Just one more show, Daddy, or one more piece of candy, or can we do one more game? God is not like that. We don't have to have ultra super long prayers just to twist his arm we don't have to fast twice a week to get his attention jesus by his life and death and resurrection has given us full access to the father i mean think of this in jesus we have access to the father's tender mercies we have access to the father's gracious will we have access to the father's gift of the spirit You have access to the Father's compassion, His forgiveness, and His love. Maybe you're here today and you feel like God is far from you. Maybe you feel like you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and God isn't listening. Or maybe worse, He doesn't even care. Maybe you feel like God doesn't see your pain or God doesn't see your suffering. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has given us full access to the Father's heart. So we can trust in Christ, the promise of James 4.8 that says, Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. So seek the Lord in prayer. Maybe even seek Him in fasting. But do it trusting that Christ has given us full access to the Father. and To the Father's heart. So let's cling to Jesus and let's live in the access that he offers to us. Number three, so we have acceptance and access. And number three, Jesus offers freedom. Jesus offers freedom. So our third story is about eating on the Sabbath. So in chapter 6, Luke tells us in verse 1 that Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field one day. The disciples plucked some of the grain that was growing there. They rubbed it in their hands. They take the little seeds and they started eating them. But the Pharisees were watching and they did not like it. They say to Jesus, "What? why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? You see, that word lawful is really interesting because there's nothing in God's law that says you can't pluck a grain of, a grain and rub it in your hands and eat it on the Sabbath. Nothing. You see, they weren't breaking God's law. They were breaking the traditions of the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees wanted to make sure... Remember, they're the religious rule keepers. They wanted to make sure nobody did any work on the Sabbath. So they created 39 rules of things you could and could not do on the Sabbath. And unfortunately, Jesus and his disciples are breaking four of those rules here in the story. But you see, they're not breaking God's law... They're breaking the commandments of men. And so Jesus reminds them of a story from the Old Testament. He said, do you not remember the story of David when he and his men were hungry? This is a story from 1 Samuel 21. You see, David was on the run from Saul who was trying to kill him. And the men came to a city where the temple of the Lord, the tabernacle of the Lord was. And they had no food and nothing to eat. And so David asks the priest to give them something to eat. But the only food that they had anywhere close was the bread of the presence. You might think, what in the world is the bread of the presence? There was a table inside the temple that would have 12 loaves of bread on it. They would put new ones in there every week. And it was like a snack bar for the priests. It really was. As they were doing their work throughout the week, if they got hungry, hey, there's snacks over here. There's bread on this table. But God was clear, only the priests could eat the bread that was on that table. But here's David and his men eating this bread that was not lawful. God even said it wasn't lawful for them to eat. And so here's Jesus' point. If David had a need for food, and that need was greater than the law, then how much more is Jesus greater than the law? You see, Jesus says to them there in verse 5 of chapter 6, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Essentially, he's saying, I don't work for the Sabbath. The Sabbath works for me. And if my followers need to eat on the Sabbath, then they are free to do so. And this answers the question then for us, does Jesus offer us true freedom? And so the answer is yes, he does. In Christ, we are free from the demands of the law. We are free from the traditions of men. We are free from rules and regulations. We are free from empty religion. In Christ, we're free to love God and to love others. This is why Jesus would say in John 8, 36, If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. Indeed. Why Paul would say in Galatians 5, 1, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Jesus and not religion is what offers us true freedom. Thomas Watson once said, to serve God, to love God, and to enjoy God, that is the sweetest freedom in the world. Friends, religion can't give you that. Rules and regulations can't give you that the traditions of men can't give you that only jesus can give you that and the freedom that jesus offers us is infinitely better than religion think about these things religion says the work is never done jesus says it's finished religion says never stop trying Jesus says, come to me and rest. Religion says, you'll never be enough. And Jesus says, I'm enough. Religion says, be a better you. Jesus says, no, I love you. Religion says, you will never be free. Jesus says, you are free indeed. I know it's hard to believe that sometimes. I know it's hard to believe that we're really free. Free from our sin and our failures. Free from our worries and our doubts. Free from our guilt and our shame. But brothers and sisters, you are free in Jesus. Jesus loves you. He shed his blood to set you free that mean life will going to be easy now? No. But there will never be a moment when you are not free in Christ. So Let's cling to Jesus and let's live in the freedom that he gives. Lastly, number four, Jesus offers us life. So our last story is about a healing on the Sabbath. In verse six, Luke tells us that on another Sabbath, Jesus is teaching at a local gathering of Jews. The Pharisees are watching him like a hawk to find some reason to accuse him. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and so he asked a crippled man to come and to stand next to him. Now, listen, since this disability was not life-threatening, it would have been very common just to wait until the next day to heal the man. If there was a doctor there in that gathering, and it was the Sabbath, the doctor would have said, Hey, come see me in the morning, and I'll see what we can do to help your hand. And so the Pharisees know that, and they're thinking in their minds, What's Jesus going to do here on the Sabbath? Everyone's watching and wondering. And so Jesus has a question for them in verse 9. He says, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? to save life or to destroy it and apparently no one had an answer so jesus just said to the man stretch out your hand and the man did it and he was healed now of course this made the pharisees mad i mean can you imagine if someone who was disabled got healed today and half the people in the room are mad about it can you imagine where your heart has to be there Why are you working on the Sabbath, Jesus? It's a day of rest. Don't you know that? Of course Jesus knows. You see, the Sabbath was never meant to be a burden for God's people. It was meant to bring blessing to them. It was meant to bring life to God's people. So what better day to give life than the Sabbath? What better day to bring blessing to this man than the Sabbath? What better day to restore him than on a day of rest and restoration? Why would Jesus not give life to this man? Why would he not restore him? You see, that's the very reason that Jesus came. So that we might have true life in him. So that he might restore all that is broken in us. And friends, we are all broken in many ways. I mean, we church folk, we try to hide it, but we're all broken in so many ways. But Jesus loves to restore broken people. Jesus loves to give life to the dead. You see, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is not about making bad people good. The gospel is about making dead people alive. Jesus didn't suffer and die on the cross just so we could be a little bit better than we were before. Jesus died and rose again so that we who were dead in our sins might be made alive in Christ. I wonder if you have new life in Christ today. Has Jesus given you the gift of eternal life? Maybe you think that you're not that bad, maybe you think that you're religious enough. We think that you're good enough. Friends, we're all sinners and we have all wandered away from God. We are all dead in our sins. But if you would repent of your sins and if you would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, even right now, you can be made alive. You can be forgiven you can be washed clean. You can be welcomed and accepted. You can be made alive in Christ even today. Maybe you walked into this room dead. God wants some of you to walk out of this room alive in Christ today. So would you do that? Would you turn from your sin? Would you trust in Jesus and cling to Him alone today? We'd love to talk to you more about the new life that you can have in Christ even now today and for those of us in Christ he offers us that same hope it's the hope of restoration the hope of newness the hope of true life the hope of everlasting life the hope of blessed life and it's the hope of life in Jesus that we must cling to Because I know it doesn't always feel like Jesus is making all things new. Sometimes it feels like death is winning. Sometimes it feels like the darkness is too strong. Sometimes it feels like the brokenness is too deep. Sometimes it feels like Jesus is doing nothing. Friends, the same Jesus that gave life to that crippled man that day is here today offering life to us. He's saying to us, I came that you might have life, and that you might have life abundantly. And he wants us to trust that that's true. We can't always walk by sight. We're going to have to walk by faith. We're going to have to cling to the hope that Christ is is making all things new and that one day christ will return and that he will make all things new so let's cling to our hope in jesus today who is our life so as our passage closes in verse 11 the pharisees are mad at jesus of course and so they ask themselves what are we going to do with jesus And that's my question for you today. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to receive his gracious acceptance? Are you going to live and draw near to his loving access? Are you going to walk in the freedom that he's purchased for you? Are you going to live in the life that he gives? Will you be like the Pharisees who think that you don't need Jesus? Who think that your religion is better than Jesus? Will you try and get rid of Jesus? Or will you be like Levi? Will you leave everything? Will you rise? And will you follow Jesus? I mean, we might have lots of questions. For Jesus but there's only one question for us will we follow him let's pray together father we thank you for your word today God we thank you that Jesus left heaven he came to earth he became human He lived a perfect life for us, and he sat down at tables, and he ate with sinners. He forgives. He welcomes. He accepts, and so we thank you so much for that. We thank you that he moved first, or we wouldn't even be here. Lord, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for the access that he's given us to you, even the access by which we are praying now in this moment. Lord, without you, we would have no hope. We would not be able even to pray to you, Lord Jesus. So God, help us to draw near in that access. God, thank you for the freedom that you've given us in Christ, purchased by his blood, so that we might live and love in the freedom that he gives. And Lord, thank you for the life. Thank you that He was killed so that we might have life. Thank you that He rose again so we might have the hope of life and might know for certain that we too can even be raised one day. God, I pray for those here who don't know Jesus, who have never received the gift of eternal life. God, would they do that today? Would they be made alive today by faith in Jesus? Maybe they walked in here dead, God would you let them leave alive in Christ? And God help us who are in Jesus to trust that He is making all things new. that He is working where we don't see, that He is fighting back the darkness that seems so strong all around us and even inside us. And that in the end He will win. His love and his grace will win his life will win. So help us to cling to that hope. Help us to follow him. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.